0: Hey, it's Damon, and I'm so glad to be back with you for season 10 of the Who Am I Really podcast. I missed being here, and I've heard from some of you that you've missed the show. Thank you for reaching out to check in with me. I took time off to focus on other things like writing about adoption. I poured into a little real estate investment rehab that turned out fantastic. And I tried to get my couch potato 14-year-old son, Seth, engaged in some activities. It was nice to step back from the podcast and social media and take a mental break. I encourage you to do the same. Try to find something in your day you can delegate to someone else so you can get a few minutes back for yourself. If you've wanted to start a project, spend just a few minutes in the morning or at night drafting a plan and be sure to take a few small steps towards executing. My point is, try to make space for your mind to expand in new ways and help it break free from some of your old habits. It can be a lot to stay in the emotionally charged space of adoption. We live triumphs and challenges, experience happiness and heartbreak, and it's taxing. Admit to yourself that you need a break and work hard to make your break happen, because guess what? Whatever work you have to do, responsibilities you're tasked with, they're not going anywhere. They'll be there when you return, and you'll probably come back fortified to complete the task at hand if you make space for yourself. Before we start, I want to make sure to thank some new contributors to the Who Am I Really podcast. Thanks so much to Marla, Debbie, Kathy, and Donna for taking a moment to go to patreon.com to make a contribution. I'm really glad the show provides some value to you, and I plan to keep bringing adoptee stories to you for a long time. All right. Here comes season 10 of the show.
1: My biological mother was released from a hospital and they left and on the ride home, the grandmother asked of the daughters that she took. She took uh, not only my biological mother, but two other daughters with her to never speak of it again. And that they were going to tell people that I had died during childbirth. Who am I? Who am I?
0: Who am I? Who am I?
1: Who am I? Who am I?
0: Who am I? I? This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and today you're going to meet Lisa. When we chatted, she was in a hotel in South Dakota, but she normally resides in Tennessee. Lisa led quite a life, surrounded by family she loved and felt deeply connected to. Her adoption was never kept a secret from her and played a constant theme in her life. Guided by gratitude and the question, where do I come from? Lisa's journey started with a DNA test, which opened the doors to help her answer that nagging question. The path of Lisa's reunion still has a winding road ahead, so this is Lisa's journey so far. Lisa grew up in a small South Dakota town where everyone knew everyone. The eldest of three children and her parents' only adopted child, she describes a simple upbringing surrounded by a loving family and a welcoming community. Aside from run-of-the-mill family dysfunction, Lisa describes her childhood as an average one. A straight-A student and the first of her family to go to college, Lisa says her upbringing was typical for most children raised in the 80s and 90s. Although she knew she was adopted and her adoption was a recurring theme throughout her life, it wasn't until 2018 that Lisa began her journey to learning more about where she came from and the people who gave her life.
1: I really always, I always wanted to know my my beginnings. I think that's how I, I phrase it the most. I really wanted to understand how I landed on the earth, but I have the, the vein of gratitude. And so with each decade, because I've had several here on this earth, I felt more compelled uh, to really have an opportunity to thank the person that gave birth to me. My biological mother, uh, Martha, (laughs) became pregnant in the early 70s. And during that time period, if you're uh, knowledgeable as an adoptee or how things were going in our culture related to unwed mothers, teenage pregnancies, Roe versus Wade, I feel very, very fortunate to walk the earth and so with that with that seed of gratitude that has always been in the back of my mind and that has been sprouting over you know each decade i have felt and wanted to continue to to reach out and to find those people that created me as a human and have given me life but also i have had what i consider even into my adulthood an extremely blessed life i've experience things that i never thought i would and sometimes feel very fortunate for having done so and it wouldn't have happened if they had taken a different path if there had been a different path other than adoption right um, aside from just keeping me
0: that makes a lot of sense wow i love what you said about uh, a vein of gratitude right it's it's something that flows all the way through you which is powerful <laughs> to think about
1: Yeah, and it's a strong driver, and it is really the the primary reason of going down this journey, and I honestly feel it's been a journey, and it has ups and downs, don't get me wrong. Even when I started this, I started with a DNA kit uh, that I had asked for for Christmas, and after I had received the gift, I put it up in a cupboard, and it sat there for several months from... December 2017 to March 2018 and then you know I'd look at it I'd open the cupboard and I'd see it and I'm like you you keep saying you want to do this and you want to find out and you want to you want to say thank you and then there was this little seed of doubt equally planted with the seed of determination and gratitude and that was what if I destroy that person's world now what if they haven't divulged to someone what has happened in their life, and what if I create more chaos than good? So that was a prohibitor for for a lot longer than it probably should have been, but it's a real feeling, and it is a real fear, and and it took a it took a while to get over that. Um, after I submitted the test. Uh, Of course, I get all the results back, and I find out my ethnicity, you know, English and German and a little bit Irish, and I'm thinking, oh, of course, I've got a little bit of red in my hair, blah, 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 all that good stuff. Uh, But then you get this profile of people, and you just start looking at all these names, and you have no idea what they mean. And your name doesn't match any of their names. And you realize in that moment That fear of upsetting someone's apple cart is probably happening right now.
0: For nearly a year, Lisa didn't do anything with her results. She just looked at them online regularly. She thought perhaps someone might reach out to her, and she was passive, somewhat fearful that her emergence might hurt someone on the other side. But after her period of cautious passivity, a very new close match popped up for Lisa.
1: And it turned out to be a half-biological sister on the paternal side. And that half-biological sister actually had a ton of information about the biological father that she had met and her biological mother, who she had also met. Uh, Once we got through kind of a little bit of the who are you, how do you think you're connected, we both realized we were both adopted. She's older, but her biological mother in the 90s had hired a private investigator to find her and it was through that meeting that she was able to meet the biological father and then based off of information he had shared with her at that time she was able to make the connection that we were that we were half sisters wow that was really what i would call the tipping point of the next phase of the journey
0: let me jump in real quick i want to i want you to just take me back for a second because you blew right past it. You've been sitting with this DNA result online that you can see and just watching for a year, it sounded like. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this very close match pops up for you. Well, tell me what it was like when you saw that.
1: Uh, Scared. I was so scared. I had no idea what we were going to do next. It had been, you know, kind of like the left field perspective. All the other matches had been there for for quite some time. And so to have one just kind of pop up after such a a time period of uh, passively watching, it was was scary. And it was um, also very comforting in the fact that she reached out first and sent a message and said, this is who I am and i'd like to know how we're connected and i immediately responded like within minutes uh, this is who i am but i need you to know i can't probably answer your questions i'm adopted and so she immediately came back to and said i'm adopted right yeah. and so uh, from that point forward we knew we had a connection just a human connection regardless of our biology we had something shared in common even as adults like I'm looking for these things and and she was validating, you know, things she knew, but she was also looking for her siblings. She knew there were siblings. and she has some health issues, and she was trying to get a better diagnosis. And so that kind of was the the impetus for her getting there. If it had not been for her, I'm not sure if I would have moved forward. I think I would have still, Continued to be in a passive monitor state.
0: That's really interesting that it took a jarring realization and connection to break you out of the wait and see. You, you waited and saw and it came to you. <laughs> and that person yeah. reached out to you. That's really amazing. That initial outreach from her paternal half-sister was encouraging for Lisa. It fueled her courage to reach out to a connection in a different part of their DNA tree. One person had an extensive DNA tree with tons of information on it. So Lisa decided to connect with this new cousin.
1: She made the determination that we are probably cousins, but she wasn't really sure how. She suspected we shared the same grandfather. But what makes the nuance to that portion of the journey and the next event is that her grandfather actually had two families. And the first family, she is part of that ancestry line. And he divorced his first wife and then married again. And I'm part of the second line uh, in that family.
0: Learning that part of her family's history lit a fire under Lisa. She was determined to find more information and get more answers. She wanted to figure out exactly who everyone was and learn whatever she could about them. Lisa dug into the weeds in research mode googling names reading obituaries jotting notes on index cards she carried them around in her purse she took them with her wherever she traveled and whenever she found another nugget of information she would pull them out lisa hoped her biological mother was in the branches of the tree and she was tempted to reach out to one candidate but something was telling her things weren't quite right it was like a divine intervention she couldn't explain that prevented her from a misstep on her journey
1: the next major event is another close relative pops up on the DNA, and she reaches out immediately as well. And it turns out she is another half-sister, wow. and we share the same bio- biological father with the previous half sister. So Now we're up to three sisters on the paternal side. Mm-hmm. And she had some information. We went through it. She kind of knew also who her biological dad was. She had, I think, met him one time. And that was it. She had no relationship with him and no connection. But I was her surprise, and it was a big surprise. And it, they really, they really didn't know what to do with me. So there, my premonition came came to light. I am going to be someone's surprise. And so we conversed for a while from October until January. In that time period, we had another event. The biological father actually had a Fourth daughter, and he raised her. So she was raised by him and Mm -hmm. her mother. She ultimately did ancestry DNA, and then we put it to bed. We just knew based off of the connections of these four women, we all had the one thing in common, which was him and his family name. Mm -hmm. That made it much easier for me. And I sat on that for January 20, February 20, and then as you and the rest of the world knows, we went into pandemic mode.
0: Yeah. Let me pause you for a quick second because I want to focus on something that you said. You said, I was her surprise, as if the other sister, the one you found first, was not a surprise to her, the second no. sister. They knew each other.
1: No. So, this the reason I was the surprise and not the other sister, the youngest who was raised by the biological father, she knew of the oldest. The first one that I um, mentioned, she knew of the, the second one that I connected with where I was her surprise because she had found her birth certificate in her dad's things after he had passed. Wow! And in going through that, when she found the birth certificate, she did research and she connected with her. So they have a relationship and through that relationship, she's the youngest. She shared with her, the second to youngest. She shared with her what she knew about the oldest, uh, which is the first one I met. So the only person I wasn't as surprised to was the oldest.
0: The COVID-19 pandemic provided Lisa with a resource she didn't have in the beginning of her journey, time. With evenings and weekends free from activities, Lisa was able to dedicate her free time to the search for her birth mother. Before she knew it, Her kitchen island was covered in sticky notes, grouped by family surname, creating a 3D extended family tree, her birth mother, hidden somewhere in the limbs. Her massive kitchen island was covered in sticky notes, tracking the family back to her third great-grandparents level. The entire tree mapped down through their children, their children's children, and so on. The real breakthrough was thanks to that cousin Lisa connected with earlier in her journey. Remember the maternal cousin with a love of genealogy and an incredibly detailed family tree? Lisa remembered the two shared a grandfather who had 13 children. From there, Lisa was able to whittle down her list of 500 family members down to just four sisters. One of them was her birth mother. Lisa had cracked the code, but was she ready to take the next step?
1: I had names. I had birth dates. I had... I knew who had children. I knew if they were living, I, I, I had cracked the code. And in cracking the code, I scared myself because now it was real. Now I had to do something that I didn't think I was going to need to do. And I'm going to have to make contact with someone who has no idea that I'm looking for them. And that in itself is enough to just scare anyone. I, I truly believe that that's where most people end up stopping.
0: Yeah, I agree. Not to mention you're you're reaching out to one person who doesn't know you're looking for them and three other people that potentially are not expecting anybody from the past to be looking for them at all. You know what I mean? The sis, yeah, there's, I do. The, there's the birth mother and then there's the three aunts and if they – did not relinquish a child. They absolutely would not be thinking to themselves, "Some child might find me one day." And you would be a, a potentially yeah. an utter shock if they weren't in on the secret. Wow,
1: it was a very crazy time period. Yeah, it really was.
0: So, what did you do to reach out?
1: Well, so my next my next step was validating with the cousin. I said, "I think I figured it out." And she's like, I cannot believe you did because I suspected it was one of. I just didn't want to put that out there without any information. After validating with her, we talked about what would be my real next steps. And she actually encouraged me to reach out to one of the sisters that wasn't on my potential list. The sister that she uh, encouraged me to reach out to is the oldest sister. She's the, actually the oldest child we we knew pretty much based off of the timing her age the age of her children it would be highly unlikely she would have had me and then gave me up uh for adoption just based off of you know the timelines of her life and so we're at the end of may 2020 we are actually right around uh, memorial day and i get a whim I had done some uh, more research. I had looked at, you know, suggestions. Oh, so write a letter and send a certified letter and then wait for a response. And I I mold that over for a while and I'm like, that's, that's going to create more angst. I'm going to develop anxiety over this. I, I've got to, I'm just going to have to make the call. And so I called right before Memorial Day and it rang and uh, no one answered and I hung up. And I didn't, I didn't really know what to do. I, I freaked myself out. I ran upstairs. I told my husband, well, I just called and hung up. And he's like, what are you doing? And I go, I've got to make this call. And he's like, well, hanging up isn't going to help. So then Tuesday, I decided to try again. And I picked up the phone and I dialed her number and she answered. And she said, uh, so who am I speaking to? And I told her and she goes, well, you called me before you were on my caller ID. And I said, I know. And I didn't leave a message. And she she said, well, I didn't pick it up because I didn't know who you were. But I figured if it was somebody important, they'd call again. And I said, well, I don't know if I'm important, but I, I think I might be part of your family. I think I am the child of one of your sisters and that I was given up for adoption and I'm calling you to see if you'd be willing to help me determine which one of the four it could be, and if you can help make some connections. So imagine what what that felt like on her side.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah, I'm like on pins and needles trying to figure out what she's gonna say.
1: Right? So I will will say she's amazing. She is unbelievably amazing. She listened to what I had to say. She said, I'm gonna take down your name. Why do you think one of my sisters is your biological mother? I shared with her the name of the biological father. She goes, "I really I don't have any answers for you. I really don't know, but I'm going to call another one of my sisters." And uh, she told me who she was going to call and I said, "Well, please, uh, it's been decades. We're talking close to 5 decades since my birth, and I'm not here to hurt anybody or open old old wounds." And so tread lightly because the one that you just mentioned is one of the four that it could potentially be. So she says, I'll call you in a, a, a day. I'll call you as soon as I, I have some information. So a couple of days go by. Thursday, the same week, she does call me. I answer and she is crying profusely. And she is so upset. And my emotions plummet. I am just devastated because my worst fear is, has now come true again, and I have hurt someone, or I have opened some old wound. Mm -hmm. And in that conversation, it was so emotional, uh, more for her than me, based off of what she felt she had learned, that I had to ask her to collect herself and call me in a couple days. Wow. It was that difficult for her.
0: That must have left you nervous, And nerve, so what right, she too? had
1: learned in calling a sister was that, yes, uh, yes, one of the sisters, not the one she called, had a child in, in, in 1972, and it was given up for adoption. But it was done so under a little bit of secrecy in the family, even though later versions of the story is that everyone knew that the birth mother, Martha, was pregnant. She was underage. She was uh, 17 when she became pregnant. There are some extenuating circumstances to the situation. The grandmother and the grandfather had had 13 kids. There were still seven at home. There was just no way to to bring another mouth to feed into the family. That was probably the, the real start of the process of adoption. But the grandmother decided to drive uh, four hours. So I was birthed in a hospital four hours from where they lived in an evening. And I was held for a little bit. She signed the papers. My biological mother was released from a hospital, and they left. And on the ride home, the grandmother asked of the daughters that she took. She took uh, not only my biological mother, but two other daughters with her, to never speak of it again. Wow. And that they were going to tell people that I had died during childbirth.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Oh, man. Wow. Did your aunt tell you this entire story? Or is this some of what you know from now having spoken with your biological mother?
1: My aunt told me the story because when all of this was transpiring, she was not in the country. She was actually stationed with her husband in another country. So for her, it was an absolute surprise, which is why she was extremely emotional.
0: It's hard not to be emotional when finding out a decades-long family secret. But it turns out that Lisa wasn't kept a secret from all of her family while that one aunt was kept in the dark. Lisa's biological grandmother eventually loosened up, allowing Martha to talk openly about the child she gave away when she was just 17. In fact, Martha was excited to learn that Lisa had found her and was eager for the two to meet. But after years of searching, Lisa would have to wait before she could meet her birth mother face to face. The COVID-19 pandemic may have given Lisa the time she needed to search for Martha early in her journey, but Martha now lives in an assisted living facility and was under quarantine like everyone else. Her birth family decided it was best to save the reunion until the two could meet face-to-face when it was safer to meet in person.
1: We couldn't go see her, they couldn't go see her. We were in a holding pattern. So from May until October of 2020, We were literally just waiting for an opportunity to go tell Martha that I actually had found them.
0: Oh, my gosh. So they've all known that you've come back this whole time and she didn't know because they wanted to sort of share it face to face.
1: Yeah, because they weren't able to go visit her for any more than like 10 or 15 minutes. And then it was like through a window and they just in rightly so. That's just not the way to deliver that type of news. Right. To go say, hey, by the way, that child that you had at 17 that we were told never to speak of again has popped up and has found us. In October 2020, they were able to sit down with her for a period of time and talk to her about it. So for her, she was just like, great, I'm glad she found us, right? And then it was more of a, when can, when can we meet? And that was another, you know, major event for us to consider because it's one thing to find someone. It's another thing to meet them in person,
0: Mm -hmm. which you're about to do tomorrow.
1: And I am hours away from doing it and I am excited and uh, nervous. I'm not afraid. I I have had enough time now to really center my brain around all of the pieces of the puzzle that they may or may not know it's been years i'm again i'm i'm going to be turning 50 next year so we're talking five decades of of history and people who you know many aren't with us anymore diminishing minds so so that's in the past and now we're forging forward for you know the next chapter and that includes meeting her tomorrow
0: gosh unreal I'm, I'm so happy for you that she was happy that you have found her. And, I mean, imagine if, <laughs> if the lockdown and sort of pandemic quarantine had prevented you guys from getting together even more. I mean, it would be so excruciating not to ever reach this moment or have it go out even further. This is really great that you're able to do this tomorrow.
1: It is. And you know, sometimes we don't understand the blessings in, that come to us and in the, in the places that they do. Setting aside all the things relative to a pandemic, what a, what a blessing that turned out to be, mostly because it did allow all of us that were part of this conversation to have time to really just digest what was going on. We were able to to have conversations via the phone. We were able to pull various pieces of the story out a little bit more. We were able to, you know, just kind of go day by day and just really get to a place where it wasn't such a big weight on everybody's shoulder. And it turned out, and it's turning out to be, we can't wait to see each other. And I think that's extremely um, important and what a great place to be I'm excited to meet all of them in person. I'm getting to meet not only my biological mother, I'm getting to meet three aunts. And I can't wait. And I know based off of conversations that we've had in the last week, it's hard for them to get to tomorrow. So we're having a luncheon and we're going to celebrate the fact that we we get this opportunity no matter what part of life it is. We've been blessed and we're getting this opportunity and we're going to make the most of it.
0: That's amazing. I love it. I'm so happy for you guys. And I can't wait to hear what happens in the aftermath. So this is yes, really me cool. too. Wow. Well, I'm really thankful that your journey has gotten you this far and I can't wait to hear what happens next. So I wish you all the luck in the world and, and just have fun, be in the moment you. and take care. Okay.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. And You know, I look forward to uh, the update as well. And, you know, I just want to thank you for giving myself and all all adoptees this opportunity to tell their story. I just want, you know, people to know that they're not alone. It's not a topic that a lot of people talk about. And so the more we talk about it, the better it will be for the next person trying to to find who they are and where their beginnings are. It can be great and it can be, it's got a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. Right now, I'm on the high, and so I hope to ride the high a little bit longer.
0: I'm so happy for you. Enjoy the high, take care, and all the best of luck tomorrow, okay?
1: All right, thank you so much. All
0: right, bye, Lisa. Bye. Hey, it's me. Lisa's story is one that resonates so deeply. Driven by her gratitude for life, she was able to reconnect with her birth mother and hopefully the two will begin to have a flourishing relationship. Lisa's story is so similar to the journey of other adoptees using DNA tests, playing detective, and making first contact. It would have been easy for her to let her fear block her way, but thankfully, her half-sister's connection ignited her fire. I'm eager to hear about Lisa's reunion with Martha and her aunts, and of course, I can't wait to help Lisa share part two of her journey with you. We'll come back to Lisa later this season. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you found something in this part of Lisa's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn, Who Am I Really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit WhoAmIReallyPodcast.com share. You can follow the show at Facebook.com slash If the show is meaningful to you, you can support me with a contribution to keep it going on Patreon.com slash Please subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean so much to me if you took a moment to leave a five-star rating there. Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too. And you can check out the story of my adoption journey, Who Am I Really? An Adoptee Memoir, on Amazon.com. I hope you'll add my story to your reading list.